Welcome to Dairy Stream, brought to you by the Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative, sister organizations that fight for sensible dairy policy in Wisconsin and Washington, D.C. Dairy Stream focuses on issues affecting the dairy community and our customers. Hi, I'm your host, Mike Austin. Well, today on Dairy Stream, we're going to take a look at some interesting areas of technology and kind of cutting edge in particular for a lot of you. And I'm glad to have you on board as we get into two things really in particular we're going to cover today, uh, data monitoring systems for cows and then how uh, data monitoring systems really can save you money. And the expert in this field that's going to be with us today is Michael Geldy. He's the customer success team member at Smaxtech. And Michael, thank you very much for joining us. And as I said, I want to start out talking about something that, at least for me, and I'm sure many producers that are listening to today's podcast will be cutting edge technology, is something called BOLUS technology. Can you kind of explain what that really is? Absolutely. And thanks, Mike, for having me. So most people are probably familiar with the idea of administering a BOLUS to a cow. It's not necessarily a, a new concept. We've been using things like cage magnets and supplemental boluses for, for quite a while. But especially in the U.S. market, the idea of administering a bolus that is going to contain sensors and generate data for a producer is, is a relatively new technology. The genesis of our technology, specifically a bolus that has sensors that is generating data for a, a farmer, goes back about a decade. Uh, our One of our founders had a friend who was in grad school doing research with ruminal pH. And, and for anybody who has any experience with research, especially as it relates to, to pH, they understand that a lot of time that work is done with cannulated cows. The, the collection of that data is very frequent. You know, maybe every two hours they have to go and, and collect rumen fluid. And, and our founder had this idea that maybe we could uh, ease the burden of some of these researchers by uh, putting a sensor, which would then be ingested to track specifically pH over time. Uh, and that's where the technology started. And, and from there, they grew out to a commercial product. The first round we call SX1 was focused on internal temperature, which is really the foundation or the, the building block on which most of our, our alerts are built off of. That's real-time continuous temperature monitoring in the reticulum, as well as activity, which is very useful when you look towards trying to detect cows that are in heat. And about a year and a half ago, we released an updated product, which also includes rumination. So being able to actually read the, the contractions of the reticulum and, and coordinate that, collate it back into a number that's provided with you in terms of the amount of data that was a rumination that occurred in the previous 24 hours, uh, that's been very useful for a lot of the customers that have been using our product already. The application is very similar to what we would be doing with a cage magnet or a supplemental bolus, basically placed inside a bolus and gun. Uh, place down the esophagus, and then it sets there in the reticulum and, and does its job generating the data and providing the alerts to the producer. We were talking a little bit earlier about uh, you know the history of this and how long it's been. It's certainly been very successful in Europe, kind of new here in the U.S. So I'm sure you have some uh, data you can share on this. So when we talk about this in comparison to data monitoring systems, other types of technologies, what do you see as the advantage of your product? All of the commercially available products out there have advantages and disadvantages. We've taken a little bit of a different philosophy in terms of how we want to start generating data and, and giving that feedback to producers. And, and that really starts with where our data is generated. So our philosophy is that the most accurate data is generated when you're taking those measurements internally. 
So say, for example, temperature, which I had mentioned is, is very important for our program. Mm-hmm. Um, the sensor that sits inside of the reticulum has very specific ability to read temperature. The accuracy is less than 0.1 degree Fahrenheit. And it also records that data continuously. So where some people might be utilizing, you know, rectal temperatures, especially in their fresh cows, the advantage that we have is that we're generating that data continuously. You're not looking at discrete data points. And in addition, the placement of our sensor is very hard to be influenced by any sort of external factors. So, for example, we're not as bad today, but I live in Wisconsin. We deal with very cold temperatures. When you look at some of the other ways that we can evaluate temperature, they can be more affected by external pressures or external temperature changes. We don't see that that much of a change when we look at the, the temperature that's being recorded internally. And, and that ability to be very specific and not be influenced by outside changes can be very important when we generate alerts for things like calving, when we're looking for very, very small decreases in core body temperature to alert somebody when, when a calving might be imminent. Additionally, the way that we look at rumination is only able to be accomplished because of the sensor being inside of the reticulum. When you look at the way that a reticulum contracts, there's actually a different in the pattern, difference in the pattern of contraction when a cow is eating than when they're uh, ruminating. And what we've been able to do is actually map through the various sensors that we have in our bolus, the, the differences between those two different types of contractions. And, and that, in our opinion, is, is allowing us to, to provide a more accurate view of the actual amount of time that a, that a cow is ruminating. And that can be directly correlated back to efficiency, feed efficiency, component efficiency, and and a lot of other benefits that we can see in terms of trying to reach those new efficient goals that we as a U.S. dairy industry are always trying to strive towards. Michael Gildy is our guest from Smacks Tech. And just a couple of things that I think producers might be wondering about this, Michael. And one would be, uh, is there any concern about the, the cow passing this pill? And then number two, what else happens when this cow leaves your farm? It's a very common question in terms of can a bolus be passed? Uh, the, the bolus is actually quite heavy in terms of its weight, and it's specifically designed to sit in the reticulum at a, at a certain angle to be able to get the most accurate reading. And that causes the, the weight that comes along with that bolus makes it very, very hard for it to leave the reticulum and say be passed. And there are certain instances where if a cow is sick, it may float into the rumen mat, but typically at any time of higher activity, say heat or calving, it'll shake itself out of that rumen mat and settle back in the reticulum. We have no no knowledge at this point of any bolus that's actually being passed. But in terms of when a cow leaves the herd, yes, it's, as opposed to some other programs or, or technologies that may be out there, you know, this is a one-time application, which can be an advantage. You don't have to worry about adjusting any sort of sensor harness or, or replacing a, a sensor that might get ripped out. But when a cow leaves, it does, you know, bolus leaves with them. That's just, you know, part of the, the anatomy of an animal. We've kind of adjusted our pricing structure to make that a more palatable position. You know, one bolus per one cow. When new cows come in, you apply new boluses. When that cow leaves, we're full FDA approved to go through, you know, processing facilities when that animal leaves the farm. But unfortunately, the bolus does leave with the animal. Understand. So again, you've kind of highlighted the advantages, talked a little bit, a couple of extra questions I brought up that I thought producers would bring up, but through some of your experiences now, I mean, are there any disadvantages that you feel a producer should realize before they would go this route? 
Yeah, I think the things that people are thinking about is, you know, what is my herd turnover rate? How many new boluses am I going to have to bring in to, say, apply these sensors to replacing animals? Um, we get a lot of questions about batteries because obviously with it being an internal device, there's no way to replace a battery, which we've overcome by putting a very robust warranty process in place. Our batteries are at this point slated to last somewhere five to six years hmm. is what we're estimating at this point. But we do guarantee the bolus for the lifetime of a cow. So for for any reason an animal does outlive the battery life of that bolus, we just apply another bolus. And with the, the safety testing that we did in Germany to make sure it was safe to apply these boluses, we've been approved to put four or even up to five of our boluses in addition to a cage magnet. And it has no you know, negative effect on the animal. So, you know, those are the kind of questions that we typically get. And I think we've done what we can to try and overcome them. What about the question of artificial intelligence? I mean, how does AI play a role or does it actually play a role at all? Absolutely. Artificial intelligence and machine learning are, are a big part of, I think, not only what our product does, but what a lot of the, the new technology in the dairy industry is going to have to address. And that's because, you know, producers have this amazing capacity to identify and address things that don't just look right to them on an operation, either due to their own experience or some sort of alert that tips them off that something might need to be investigated further. The problem can come up when there's just so much information that is, you know, bombarding an individual who's trying to manage not only animals, but also people, you know, machinery, logistics, and all the other aspects of running a business. And because of the breadth of areas a producer needs to be able to track, it's inevitable that some things might fall through the cracks, as it's impossible to focus on all things at all times. And that's where the idea of intelligence and machine learning being applied on top of these data streams comes into play as it relates to things like health and reproductive monitoring. The proprietary systems developed like companies such as SmaxTech take these streams of data that are being generated by these sensors and turn them into more actionable alerts. And one example of that might be when you look at an increase in body temperature. If there's an increase in body temperature amongst a whole group of cows, that could indicate that the herd just went through a round of vaccinations or might be experiencing heat stress. And it's much more valuable for a system to be able to say, hey, check out this group. There's a lot of alerts coming from this individual pen, as opposed to sending individual alerts for all the animals. The AI backbone has to be able to look at that data and say the more meaningful information is to aggregate these results. But it also has to be able to say, you know, if there's an increase that is beyond what the rest of the group is experiencing, then we still need to provide an alert for that individual cow. Vaccination does not preclude mastitis or retained placenta from being present, for example. So the system has to be able to identify the greater outliers among a group of lesser outliers. Additionally, AI can be very powerful in increasing the effectiveness of alerts for individual operations. When you're able to feedback decision-making outcomes into a system, for example, this alert was useful or this alert was not, and the system can take that feedback and generate more meaningful alerts in the future, it just adds more value to a system for an individual operation the longer you use it. Now, what we're working towards with these sort of technologies is a more descriptive diagnosis being generated by the system. Today, we're in a position where through experience and training, we look at a graph of data collected by the health monitoring system sensors and assign a diagnosis to the animal based on that information, where in the future, we would like the system to be able to say, this is likely mastitis and we have a 78% confidence, or this is either milk fever at a 44% confidence or ketosis at a 35% confidence, which will take more of the guesswork out of these systems and dramatically decrease the time it takes to fully adopt these sort of technologies on farm. That's where we're going. And I really don't think we're that far away from being able to do that. 
Michael, let's go a little bit further on what you were talking there about, you know, reducing mastitis, helping to improve reproduction. Besides the monitor system, you know, doing those things, are there any other hidden benefits when you're talking about the bolus technology? The biggest benefit that, that we hear when people implement the program is they do buy the system to find cows that are in heat or try and uh, identify cows more quickly that are experiencing some sort of uh, an illness. Um, the hidden benefit is probably our ability to detect calving. So when you look at the, the way a lot of modern dairies are running their transition facilities now, we're, we're trying to manage the least amount of time in the calving pen for those animals, you know, the least amount of moves, least amount of time in those calving pens. So we're moving towards that just-in-time calving model. And with what we're able to generate, we, we give an alert in about 15 hours in advance of when a calf should hit, hit the ground, and that's allowing people to better manage their transition facilities. It's also helped with calf loss as well. We're having less calves that are born in the free stall or in the alley. Um, they're, they're born where they're supposed to be, and that's helping us maintain better success with those calves, especially early on in life. So certainly some positive benefits uh, when we're talking about today's technology, and we thank Michael for being our guest. We're going to take a break in a little bit, but before we do that, a couple of other questions for you. And one is from the users and cows perspective. I mean, what common challenges have you seen when we talk about data monitoring systems? The biggest concern that a lot of people run into when they're when they're trying to implement something like this on farm is just you know, trying to bite off more than they can chew, so to say. So these systems are very, very robust, and a lot of people buy these systems for a, for a small slice of what the technology can actually accomplish. Say, for example, they're like, I would like to improve my reproductive success, so I need a system to help me identify cows that are in heat. Well, these systems also might have the ability to detect disease, do things like identify where a cow is in the barn, be able to run sort gates or milk meters. And, and so they, they make these capital expenditures to, to bring these systems in where they're using just a small part of the program and, and they don't always take the time to implement the rest of the ideas or technologies that are involved in these, in these systems into their existing farm management. So that's something where us as these technology companies need to do a better job of, of providing uh, front-end service, onboarding, and teaching these producers how to use the full functionality of the systems they're buying. And that's how we can guarantee they're getting the most benefit out of the systems that we put on farm. And the producers can feel like, you know, we got the best bang for our dollar in terms of, of bringing these systems on farm. They've helped us reduce labor costs, you know, reduce other costs on farm. But they may not realize that if they're only trying to use a small part of what the full power of these technologies can be. Well, Michael, in your title, it says customer success team member. So is really that your role? Uh, maybe you can go through a little bit. How early do you come to that producer's farm in setting up the program, explaining things, answering questions? Uh, is there a timeline for that? Yeah, so our, our company has a very intensive, what we call onboarding experience. Our customer success team is involved from the day that the, the technology is installed on farm, making sure that everybody who who should have access, so not just people on the farm, but if we want veterinarians or nutritionists, other you know consultants to have access to the, the information as well, we ensure that all those things are kind of set up. And then we go through up to eight weeks of weekly or biweekly calls where we're going through the system, talking about the alerts that we see, um, making sure everybody understands the full functionality of the system as it exists. 
And in addition to that, our customer success team is, is you know, very focused on even down to daily feedback that the system is, is giving, especially early on as we're establishing our baselines for data. So it's not unusual within about eight days, which is how long it takes for all of our alerts to be up and active. For us to then be seeing uh, in the background, you know, this this animal is experiencing these sort of changes in her graph. This might likely mean that she needs to be investigated for, you know, illness X, and we'll communicate that directly with the producer as they're still trying to get their arms around everything that the system can provide. So we take service part of our program very, very seriously, and we invest a lot of time in making sure anybody who goes on with our system knows the full functionality. And I think that that's something a lot of the other technologies out there are focusing on as well. And it's vitally important for us to do that so that producers, like I said, can get full value out of out of these uh, expenses that they're incurring to bring the systems on farm. Michael Geldy is our guest here on Dairy Stream. He's from Smax Tech, and we've been talking about dairy monitoring systems for cows. After our break, we'll talk about how they can save you money. But Michael, obviously, when we talk about today's agriculture and it's been this way for years especially in the dairy industry is one of its strengths is its diversity so i'd like to close off this segment talking about the different types of farm how the technology is used and let's begin with CAFOs how does that kind of technology benefit them it's undoubted that there's a large part of our industry that will continue to get larger and and i think that that's change the way that those individuals and those teams have kind of managed cows. I think when you go back to, say, the 80s, where, where dairies were a lot smaller, there was a lot of people who were running their business by their front pocket, as they said. You know, they would have a notebook in there, they would write notes, they would have a, a breeding wheel on the wall to be able to track, you know, when cows need to be bred, when they're going to be dried off, when they can calve. As they've gotten larger, we've changed some of the management away from managing individual cows to managing groups. And that's just by nature, I think, something that is to be expected as, as operations get larger. What some of these technologies can allow you to do is then kind of revert that process without bringing in all of the laborious work that comes along with it. So that while we're still concerned, you know, if we see a drop in rumination across your prefresh group, you can also with these systems say, okay, here are the three cows that are having the most extreme drop in rumination. We need to go get some eyes on them, see if there's anything we can do to support them get them through whatever challenges they may be experiencing. So it, it's just an additional tool for them to, to move back towards that individual cow management in addition to being able to master cows in groups. Well, let's talk then about the you know traditional, even though it might be shrinking aspect of dairy, but the tie stall operations. Is this technology something that can work for them as well? Absolutely. We have tie stall herds across the U.S. It's a, it's a different I think use case, because now we're talking about the way people used to manage cows, people are a lot more intimately, you know, involved in, in the day-to-day -day life of those animals. They know, I think, a little more granularly things about individual uh, animals on their farm, but there's still a lot of value in, in a system like this for those types of individuals. We specifically, because of the sensitivity of our bolus, can do heat detection, even within a tie stall operation. That's something that has been a challenge for a long time for these technology companies to be able to generate something that can provide that in a situation where animals are still constrained, like they like they may be in a tie stall. In addition, we found a lot of people who are still running their business, say on pen and paper or off of a breeding wheel, like the fact that you know we we can provide them with more sophisticated tools to manage when cows need to be bred, when they should be preg checked, when they should be dried off, and when they're going to calve. And that's just an additional 
check they and then they have that carried with them in their pocket on their cell phone if they're you know at the grocery store or across the country it, it provides them just a little bit more of a peace of mind to know you know we're managing the cows the best we can and and whether i'm on farm or off farm i know exactly what's going on with each of my animals that have a bolus and Michael, I know those that have gone and switched over to robotic milkers, they say one of the real advantages there, what they like is all the, the data that they're able to get. Is this type of technology yet another addition and benefit in that area? Yes, absolutely. So robots, by their nature, do provide some of the information we're providing with our bolus. But the kind of individual who has gone to a robotic milking system, an AMS system, is really the kind of people that we know are, are more invested in those sort of technologies. And, and what we can provide is it's just additional metrics or additional information that they can use with their existing systems. And an example of that would be, as I talked about, temperature previously. So uh, when you look at a robot, robots are great at detecting temperature but they really only collect these data points when the cow is actively in the box. So mm -hmm. when we look at things like milk temperature, uh, it's great. We can get that three or four times a day, depending on how many visits a cow has at the robot. But that can be a little bit of a lagging indicator, especially when there is some sort of an inflammation event. We can, we can give that continuous monitoring of temperature, give an alert even before they're able to get back to the robot and allow the, the farmer to have even more time to uh, address, uh, hopefully, that situation more early and use less invasive protocols and, and help that cow overcome those infections on their own. So using in less often or less cases of using, say, antibiotics in a mastitis case to be able to, to overcome that, that infection. And Michael, lastly, that group that maybe not be milking anymore, but is involved in the calf or heifer raising aspect of the dairy industry, does this technology have a place for them as well? Our system specifically is really targeted more towards breeding age heifers, and that just has to do with the size of the bolus. We're not applying those into young calves because the esophageal size is not conducive to uh, administering the bolus. Right. Uh, but there are plenty of systems out there who are focused on even smaller animals. And where the value for a lot of producers comes in with, with especially heifers is using it as a, a way to increase their, their success in terms of getting those heifers uh, bred and pregnant. So um, using it as an additional system to identify those heifers that are in heat, getting them bred as quickly as possible and getting them into the milking herd in a timely fashion so that we can start generating revenue instead of expenses off those heifers. That's where a lot of people are looking at systems like this one. Well, during this segment of Dairy Stream, we've been talking a lot about data monitoring systems for cows, and the man certainly has a lot of data and insights into that is Michael Geldy. He's with Customer Success Team Member at SmackTech, and we certainly thank him for his expertise. He's going to still be with us after the break as we talk a little bit more about these monitoring systems and how they really can save you some dollars and cents. So it certainly does make some sense to stay with us here on Dairy Stream. And we'll be right back with our Dairy Stream podcast after we hear from our sponsor. SmaxTech offers unique health monitoring for dairy cows with its unrivaled bolus technology. With the SmaxTech system, producers gain more control over milk quality and yield while reducing the use of antibiotics and significantly increasing animal welfare. Through 24-7 monitoring and smart alerts, work processes are streamlined to improve farm efficiency. MaxTech is a committed partner in securing the stability and profitability of the dairy industry right from inside the cow. For more information, please visit smaxtech.us. 
Once again, thanks for joining us on Dairy Stream. It's brought to you by the Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative. Today, we have been spending some time talking about data monitoring systems for cows. Our guest is Michael Geldy. He's a customer success team member for Smacks Tech. And in this segment, we want to talk a little bit about how data monitoring systems can save you money. So, Michael, let's start there. How can a monitoring system First of all, change someone's management style. Yeah, so I think there's a lot of different use cases where where these technologies can inform and, and adjust management on farm. One one example would be with uh, reproductive protocols. I mean, when you look at the way a lot of cows get pregnant in the United States off of timed AI, um, that's been a, an amazing improvement in terms of the reproductive success of the U.S. dairy herd. And we in these technology companies aren't here to go away from timed AI, but I think there's ways that we can use it more intelligently. So, for example, uh, with the ability for us to detect when cows are going through heats, it's very easy to set up these systems to tell you when cows are cycling before they actually hit their voluntary waiting period. And when we have that sort of information, we can then start splitting cows into different groups and treating them differently as we try and get them pregnant. So say, for example, we have two different cows, one cow that had two cycles that were shown through one of these heat detection systems before the voluntary waiting period, and one that had no cycles before we hit the voluntary waiting period. That first cow that was shown to be cycling, we may give her some time to show an additional heat or two and, and breed off of those heats before we enroll her in the timed AI protocol. And that cow that was not cycling, maybe we do it immediately put them into a timed AI protocol because they may not be as likely to show us the, the heat after they go through that voluntary waiting period. Through that, we're, you know, we're, we're shifting our labor needs away from giving as many shots. We're letting that technology pay for itself in terms of less shots, less labor, and it should result in even more reproductive success. Additionally, you know, there are instances where transition facilities may be reliant on the knowledge of an individual like a herdsman or a vet to help with the diagnosis of an issue. These sort of systems have pretty consistent representation in the graph for different metabolic or health incidences. So it's not a lot of work to capture a typical graph of, say, displaced abomasum, for example, and then work with your transition team and say, if you see this sort of a pattern in a graph, take this first diagnostic step. If the result is A, then go through treatment protocol A. If the result is B, then follow treatment protocol B. And it allows you to streamline your standard operating protocols across the herd to make sure you're getting the best treatment results, reducing the time that you give treatments unnecessarily. And it also just makes sure that you're addressing those issues as quickly as you possibly can. Now, Michael, throughout this podcast, you have been mentioning ways that the bolus technology can save money for producers. But this time, I just would like to maybe give us a, a shopping list way of, of examples of how that data really can save a farm some money. There's obviously a variety of ways that data generated from these systems can save farmers money. Like I'd mentioned, from a reproductive standpoint, catching cows that are in natural heat not only saves on synchronization protocol costs, but it saves on labor by reducing the need for someone to, to spend time not only applying shots, but looking for physical signs of estrus. From our standpoint, when you look at our continuous temperature monitoring, there's an additional saving where you can look at labor of, of moving those people who are doing daily rectal temps in a fresh group and apply that labor in other areas of the operation. 
early detection of diseases that all these systems can do, can do allow you to use less invasive protocols um, to lessen the use of antibiotics and other drugs on farm. And you also have additional information to know whether you need to, to stay, use a treatment at all. So we get, we have an early sign of an increase in, in body temperature that might be mastitis. We can go through and culture, and if it's a no growth, we know even if it does pop back up, we're not going to go and treat that animal. We have additional information to know whether this is severe enough that we need to call it a vet or not, uh, having cost savings when we're not unnecessarily calling resources to farms to address issues that, that may you know, resolve themselves. Um, and then finally, treating early can also reduce the number of cows with milk, milk withholds. So you know, when we look at some of these mastitis cases, if we're able to be immunosupportive and, and help the immune system a, attack and overcome that inflammation on its own, we're, we're not having as much frequency of those milk withholds. And, and even though sometimes that withheld milk is being fed back to calves, so there's still an economic value put on that milk, uh, it's not being applied to the milk check. So, you know, depending on what sort of operations and management are, there's a, a variety of ways that, that the value of these sort of systems can be realized on farm. Well, I asked for a list and you certainly gave me a long one. So thank you for that. And that was a pretty thorough answer and shows again, there are several ways that this system is going to save you some dollars and cents and make sense of investigating it as well. And on that uh, topic, Michael, there obviously are some people listening to this podcast that already have a monitoring system. So with them or in their, those people in mind, what tips do you have to best utilize the data they get? This will come as no surprise as somebody who's in a role like this, but, but one of the biggest tips that we always give is, is make sure you have the contact information and are in continued contact with whoever is going to be supporting your product moving forward. So, you know, the technology never stays still. There will always be new improvements, new features that are being brought into play. You want to have a good relationship with whoever is going to be assisting you in servicing your technology to make sure that you're on top of not only all the functionalities that are existing now, but integrating any functionality that's going to come in the future and make sure they're the most impactful it can be for your farm. Uh, additionally, we advise making sure that we bring all of those decision makers into the loop and give them access to this data if you're comfortable with it. When we talk about that, we're talking about the key, key consultants, things like nutritionists, vets, the repro specialists, anybody who, who is going to help you make decisions on how to change your management on farm. And they may not be using the data the exact same way that a producer would be looking at it, but say a veterinarian may want to use the information being generated by one of these systems to supplement the available information before they make a diagnosis. Or veterinarians and nutritionists may also be looking at group ration or herd level trends to see what recommendations they may make to fine tune the nutrition program or treatment protocols. And in our experience, some producers are hesitant to provide this information as they may decide to change consultants in the future or may have other hesitancies. But most, if not all of these programs make it as easy to revoke access to the system as it is to share it. So, so we're always advising, let's get everybody on the same page with how to use this technology and have everybody rowing the boat in the same direction. Finally, if it's possible, it's always good to make sure that these systems are always set up within your existing management structure, especially with other technologies that are on farm. And the one that we focus on the most is, is your herd management system. If a system can integrate with your existing herd management system, the producer is more likely to use it and get more benefit out of it. And that's just because what we're doing when we integrate with, say, Dairy Compo, the Sync, PCDAR, DHI+, any of these herd management systems that are out there, is we're reducing the need for double entry. So 
our company, our, our philosophy is that we have no problem being a data generator and we're going to try and push that information to the herd management system because that's where our existing workflows are already set up. So anytime that you can make a, connect, a connection between the, the new technology you're bringing on farm and your existing technologies, it, it's more likely that you're going to get a big benefit out of using the systems. Finally, just what I'll say is if, if you do implement you know, these technologies, there are some people who feel overwhelmed with the amount of data that is being generated. And it's not something that our company does, but there's a whole cottage industry at this point of consultants who are just consultants for data. And if it's something that you feel overwhelmed, but you want the decision-making power that comes with utilizing technologies, there's plenty of people out there, very good professional consultants who can help you integrate that data through their own dashboards, through working with your existing tools to make sure that everything's set up to work smoothly, to talk back and forth. Those are, those are big resources for people who may be a little bit uh, uncomfortable with the technological side of integrating all of these sort of technologies on farm. One thing certainly we can be proud of when we talk about our dairy producers throughout the country is the fact that there are a lot of innovative thinkers who are always looking for new ways to be environmentally sustainable. So, Michael, how can a cow monitoring system really play a role in environmental sustainability? It's part of a larger effort through the whole industry to to work through some of these sustainability goals that we've set for ourselves as the U.S. dairy industry. You know, the new technologies can't take all the credit, but advances in management and new processes on farm have, have changed the process of creating a gallon milk to require 30% less water, 21% less land, and 19% smaller carbon footprint than it did in 2007. And some of the areas that, that are specifically focused on, on what we can generate is, is rumination. And there's a lot of you know, new and promising research looking at how can we correlate rumination time uh, back to emissions. Um, the, the data at this point is still very preliminary, but that's something where in the future I could see a situation where you know, rumination has maybe a greater impact on indexes and how we select genetics for future animals to try and make more efficient animals that, that have less emissions. We're also just looking at sustainability in terms of longevity of animals. When you're able to provide better treatments, you're able to you know, make culling decisions on a more practical decision tree as opposed to you know, maybe being dictated on, on what animals are gonna leave farms. And with the ability to, to detect these issues earlier, it can be very powerful in keeping the animals you wanna keep on farm and making those decisions on who's gonna leave the farm on a more economic um, decision standpoint. You've been listening to the voice of Michael Geldy. He's from Smax Tech, and you've done a great job, Michael, in explaining data monitoring systems and really how they can save producers uh, money and also help in management skills and kind of taking us to that mountain of, you know, where we've been and how we travel there. So I guess my final questions deal with what do you see being the next step? Where does this type of technology go? Yeah, when you look at the acceleration in these technologies over the last five to ten years, uh, I, I almost had, I almost you know paused to hazard a guess of where we're going to go. I mean, we've gone from simple leg-mounted pedometers to bolus technology like ours, ear tags, collars, very very quickly, and the amount of data that they're generating has has basically grown exponentially year over year. But it's hard to imagine that innovation is going to slow down when we look at. Almost every company in this space has brought some sort of innovation to the industry, and that's given us new metrics like lying time, real-time position, real-time temperature, room and pH, 
And, and this innovation just isn't within sensors uh, inside or attached to a cow. I think there's a lot of really cool uh, applications out there with things like cameras, cameras to do body condition scoring, cameras to evaluate lameness. There's some really you know promising companies out there on the cutting edge of that sort of technology. And I think the explosion of robots is only going to be furthered in the industry. I mean, when you look at things like the prototype for a robot to be able to administer shock to, to an animal, that's very exciting, what we could do from a labor and safety standpoint. And I think we're just going to continue to, to go where the, the producers tell us the issues are. So it's hard to say exactly what in five years the, the technology in the dairy industry is going to look like, but I can pretty much guarantee it's not going to look anything like it looks like today. Well, Michael, certainly want to thank you for your insights, your expertise, and certainly your passion. You know your subject well, and I think a listener gets kind of excited just by hearing, you know, where we have been, where we've gone to, and where we could be going in the future. So again, a big thank you goes out to Michael Geldy. He's the customer success team member at Smacks Tech. We thank him for all his time on today's podcast. Again, we always thank uh, the lady that keeps me in line and make sure that these things run smoothly. That's our producer. Producer editor Joanna Guza, as she does well every episode, makes Dairy Stream what it is. And of course, we want to thank you once again for taking the time to listen and share your own input on what you hear on Dairy Stream, as well as working together with us to provide information that will make your operation more productive and, bottom line, more profitable. I hope this has been a profitable day. I'm Mike Austin for Dairy Stream. The Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative would like to thank you for listening to Dairy Stream. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, please subscribe and rate Dairy Stream. We value your feedback. And if there's something you'd like to hear, just email us, podcast at dairyforward.com.